Thanks for tuning in to the Seattle Limudcast. I'm Tamara Libicki. In today's episode, I talk with Limud Seattle 2019 presenters and co-chairs, Kara Abrams Simonton and Robert Hovden, about the excitement of coordinating a Limud festival. We discuss how Limud Seattle's model of succession is designed to energize each year's leadership and introduce yearly innovations. One of the innovations in 2019 was the closing nigun. Will people connect with it? Will it happen? Will it come to life? And there was definitely a minute where I was like, where are the rest of our beautiful singers? Okay, so I wanted to start out with the Limud, and by which I mean the UK Limud, the mothership. Um, their motto is, wherever you find yourself, Limud will take you one step further on your Jewish journey. And I think this is a really beautiful phrase because it instantly tells people that Limud is there for the entire continuum of the community. But one thing that occurred to me recently is it actually kind of refers to your past in a beautiful way of saying you're at Limud, but something about the way you were raised, your experiences actually brought you to Limud. So I wanted to open that up and ask, what do you think happened in your past? What was your Jewish experience that primed you to be at Limud? So my background is very different. Uh, I grew up in a very non-religious family. Uh, My mother is technically not Jewish. Her father was Jewish, but her mother was not. And and my father was Catholic, but not practicing at all. Uh, And my mother raised me with a sense of being Jewish, but only in terms of like background. I'm also a quarter Native American, so that's all kind of was background. But then, you know, 15 years ago or so, uh, even longer than that, I started looking at my Jewish roots and, and thinking, I need to look at this closer because Judaism answers a religious need, one that I didn't know that I had, uh, but also Judaism is a is a different religion than most others that I know in that it values the minority opinion, the the not right answer. It the, there's arguments for the sake of heaven, and that's really one of the things that drew me to Judaism to Lamud. I had heard about Lamud early on in my process of converting, um, and. I had thought, oh, I want to go. It just sounds so amazing. And I thought I'd never do that because it's in the UK. It's a long way away. And, you know, you need to make that commitment to do it. And then I heard that Lemud Vancouver was having their a week in Lemud. And it's like, oh, yes, let's go up and experience Lemud. And it was just the most amazing experience. And, and we had to bring it back. Because it was so amazing. And I love this type of Jewish learning. I love the deep learning as well, where you, you study with a rabbi for months on end of a tractate. And, but this gives you such a nice, broad, and um, I, just, I just love the different topics. There's so much in Judaism and in the Jewish world that is just exciting and, and beautiful. And 
you know, I, I love it. And the mood satisfies that dipping my toe into multiple, multiple pools until I find the one that I want to immerse myself in a little bit more. So you were talking about your first mood experience in Vancouver and that you were inspired by the variety. Can you remember any particular classes that really inspired you and made you want to take the next step? Oh, there were, there were a number. The one that really sticks out in my mind at the moment it actually was one of the things that just pushed me to want to, to make Lamoud was uh, uh, Abba Brot. Uh, he was the head of school in, I think, Richmond, Vancouver, uh, head of one of the day schools. He's now, I think, in Quebec or something like that. But he did a, he did a session on witchcraft and Judaism. And it was, and you know, I'm a I'm a big Harry Potter fan, number one. And but he went beyond that because, of course, Judaism and the Torah and the Talmud all talk about witchcraft and wizardry and and spells and all these other things in detail. And he did it in such a way that was engaging. It was funny. He was just an amazing teacher. And and I, I was hoping that you know we'd be able to bring him down from Vancouver, and then he moved away, so, which was a shame. Kara, um, can you tell me about your first Limud experience? Sure. Um, so I had been involved with Limud Seattle in anticipation of um, our first event in 2018, and I was invited by Robert and Deb um, to go to Limud UK. So that was not this just lastly, Mood UK, which I also got to go to, but the one before. So that was the first experience was the mothership, which was kind of crazy. Though I was anticipating our day and an evening Mood, I got my first experience of really the immersive Mood in a six-day experience. So there are so many sessions from that week. Um, and I remember... Uh, a particular session with Yaffa Epstein, who came to Limud Seattle, our first Limud. Robert and Tamar are smiling very largely right now because we all loved having Yaffa. Um, and Yaffa, I knew from when I studied at Pardes, and um, she did lots of great sessions, but one that was really fun and just kind of highlights the uniqueness that is Limud um, in the UK is there was a baraita in the bar, so studying a, a, a type of Mishnaic text or from the Talmud um, it, over some whiskey. And I remember her and the, I don't remember the woman's name, but a very, very well-known scholar and rabbi in England. The two of them had their whiskey and, and were sharing about this particular text about something to do with drinking. It was great. Um, so I know the firstly mood, you were the programming team lead. Almost. Sorry. I was on the programming team. Okay, I'm wrong. So I was the presenter carely, which means I supported ooh. the presenter needs. Right. So how did you transition from that role to becoming the co-chair? I want to answer this, but I also want to hear Robert's answer to this. So who's going to answer first? <laughs> um, I'll answer first. Okay. Um, so, so Lamut Seattle wants to try to create succession planning so that we don't have the same leaders every year. That there's at least one new leader in each of the the key roles in order to make it so that it's a a sustainable entity. And without that kind of buy-in from different people, it becomes very difficult. 
And Deb already knew that she didn't want to do uh, the second one, so we needed to find a successor for Deb. And we looked at all of these wonderful people that were volunteering, and Kara just kind of, I don't want to say stuck out like a sore thumb, but she stuck out as really dedicated, involved, and really interested and wanted to know, wanted to keep this idea, this type of event and organization going forward. And so that's when Deb and I thought, let's send her to Lemud in the UK because that's going to like really kind of cement it, we hope, or scare her away. I mean, <laughs> there is that. We, 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 we did lose somebody the previous year who had gone to the Lemud UK and determined that that was not their type of learning. And it's not for everybody, but we felt that Cara was definitely the kind of person who would appreciate it. And so sending her was a really good move on our part. So. And then we had coffee. <laughs> well, first we had Limud Seattle after Limud UK. And, you know, my role was growing as they invited me to go to the UK, um, which was a very influential experience. And then we had Limud Seattle, the first Limud Seattle, which we all know was wonderful and felt great. And then Deb and Robert and I had coffee. And I said yes to this really awesome and crazy demanding role that if I had a dollar for every time someone was like, how are you doing what you're doing? I would have a lot of money and maybe donate it to Lee Moon. <laughs> but yeah, Robert explained it well. I am very flattered that Robert and Deb saw potential in me. Um, while I have always, I've gravitated towards leadership roles and community, this definitely was a, is, was a stretch, um, and I've learned a lot of new things in the process. So I, you know, being a volunteer organization that is new, it's also about people finding out about Limud, and I was fortunate to find out a, about Limud and then decide to give of myself um, as Robert continued to do so. Everyone knows who, who is an active volunteer that it has taken a lot of our, our time and effort and love and donations and driving and space in the basement and on and on and on. But I think that um, the I'm sure eventually we're going to get to talking about this, but the most important aspect of all of this is in the experience of working with the volunteers and the community that we've created and the relationships that we've developed. Um, and that's really, I think, what's behind the ask of how, like, why would I decide to, to increase this volunteer role from being on the programming team to becoming co-chair is because of the experience that I had as a volunteer connecting with other people, creating relationships. Because it's not just about the immersive learning experience, which is great. We both love that. But I think that really what's driving the involvement is, is the community that we've created, the family. So you just highlighted a really beautiful part of being a co-chair, which is that you can make such profound connections with people you've never met before. Um, but I know that being a co-chair is also really hard. So I was wondering if either of you have or had a motto or a mantra that you would come back to if things were getting stressful to get you back where you needed to be, like, committed, excited? Is there any phrase that you would, you would use with yourself? There wasn't really any phrase for me, uh, but I do have to say that about a week, a week and a half before the actual event happened, 
somehow it turned a corner for me, and it was like, you know, even if I don't show up, this thing is gonna happen. It's it's rolled down that hill far enough that I feel like it's got the momentum that it's gonna happen. And there were a few cases throughout the year where I thought, okay, this piece is done. It's gonna happen. And you know, maybe that's the closest I had is being able to see that okay, that ball is rolling. And it's got enough momentum to continue on through. Um, I don't know if this is like a, a motto. It's more of like the mission or the theme, which you're going to now be like, oh, yeah, right. All year we were talking about enabling connections. And I wouldn't say that it necessarily came to the forefront of our mind when we were dealing with a challenge or a, you know, a conflict. But that is something that drove us. Like that was a passion that many people identified, but then Robert and I particularly spoke to when we were thinking about, you know, what do we want to focus on this year, which was creating more opportunities for people to connect as individuals and within with communities. So I'd like to say that was in the back of our minds, even when we were struggling. Definitely, I think that uh, a less is more and a keep it simple came into my mind quite a few times. I mean, we're talking about an all-volunteer-run organization with a lot of really creative minds and people have a lot of great ideas and it's just a matter of us all working together to make it happen so i i do think i said a few times let's keep it simple (laughs) (laughs) um so the phrase enabling connections um made me think of this year's mood there was a really cool thing that happened which was the swag your tag area um and you could put ribbons on your name tag that would tell people ways that you identified and that could spark conversations. And I saw a lot of people doing that and I heard a lot of people getting really excited about it and I myself did it and it actually did like spark a lot of awesome interactions. I actually got to speak Hebrew. So what I was wondering is maybe to highlight the volunteer experience and what volunteers brought to the table, do you think you could go through from like the inception of that idea through to how it had to come into being into how it actually was and how people experienced that? Yeah, we can probably speak to that. Um, first of all, uh, regarding uh, engaging uh it, it truly was one of our binding and the thing we were trying for most. And I'm always surprised when I introduce two people that I think that they should obviously know each other, and yet they don't. And it's and it's very exciting when it's like, oh, you shouldn't, you two should know each other. And and then when it goes beyond that, and they they know each other beyond your your intervention, you know, they become friends, they become, you know, um, in terms of this particular activity, uh, the, the, the tags, uh, the genesis of that, I think, was with Lisa Colton and having Carr and I met with Lisa Colton, who had some wonderful ideas about engaging our participants, not just volunteers, but the participants in a meaningful way. Uh, that would get them to talk about themselves and to ask questions about other people and how to do that in a way that is natural or more natural um, than just randomly asking questions. You know, and, and people bingo came up and lots of different ideas. And I think it was 
uh, crystallize with uh, Nama and Sarah. Sarah, who who really kind of took Lisa's ideas and then turned them into physical. This is this is how we're going to do it, and um, they created the the different tags that were there and Kara read through it and said okay let's let's not do this one but let's do this one and um, there were also a number of other people involved basically from the conversation that Robert and I had with Lisa which definitely was the genesis which was reflecting on the first year's experience and all the potential um, and then she had all these ideas and then it was a matter of well, let's find a group of awesome volunteers to help us actualize these great ideas. And so then I was trying to court various people, including who Robert just referenced, Nama Josephs and Sarah Picard. And, and then there were a couple of other volunteers who happened to be also my friends who I invited to help. And we did a number of these fun things um, like creating decor for the halls and things for people to engage with. And Sarah um, Picard had come up with a number of these fun ideas for the for the ribbons and then bounced them off on a couple of other volunteers and then her husband and then Robert and I and then we refined it and then she really, along with Robert and I's support, drove, drove the, the whole project forward, Sarah ordering and, and bringing all of the ribbons. And then it was ultimately like one of those situations where we advertised it, it was in the program, we hung up signs, and then, you know, what's gonna happen? Are people gonna engage with it and get excited by it? By it? And, they, and they did, and Saturday night it started and then Sunday it kept going and I, I noticed a lot of people being like, oh, where'd you do that? Where can I do that? So, it was beautiful. It was really, I mean, it's exciting to hear that you had a fun experience tomorrow and got to speak Katsatibrit. I did also. Um, and I also loved, I mean, there were so many things that I loved about it. One was seeing the whole, like from the beginning of the vision and that conversation that we had at Lisa's kitchen table to, you know, all these volunteers working on actually setting up the space. Um, but also the way people engaged with it. I noticed you and Ron changed it to say new grandparent. That's right. And a couple people like covered up first because one was one was firstly mood and just like hadly mood or like secondly mood or a couple of other cute things that people basically really made it their own, really did have it express who they are, which was the whole point of, of the ribbons. I mean, engaging with other people over over the topics, but also just, you know, having some fun with expressing themselves. Um, it was really beautiful to see the whole thing come together. I got a lot of comments about the new grandparent, you know, when changing that. And uh, my mother-in-law, I wrote on hers, new great-grandmother. So <laughs> That's wonderful. And so, you know, we got lots of, lots of comments about that. Yeah. So this kind of makes me think back to the idea of succession within Lee Moon and the idea that through getting new leadership on a regular basis, you create a new flavor for each Lee Moon, which I think is a really awesome thing that you're tweaking it and changing it. And so every year is new. One of the new things this year that I'd like you to talk about is the closing Nigun. And I was wondering if you could talk a bit about how it came to be and then how it was experienced. So it has a similar narrative to what we just spoke to, um, which comes back to 
what we brought up before about Robert and I really being inspired by the value of enabling connections and that that drove a lot of what was added on to the incredible, you know, program of many sessions of diverse content, which happened last year and happened again this year, but then we, you know, wanted to provide more. And so stepped it up. Stepped it up. Yeah. And so that that, you know, conversation with Lisa was inspiring to us and then led to trying to find more people to make it happen. And so then once these different volunteers were identified and we had a, a few meetings, um, there was a conversation. I mean, ultimately it was thinking about what is the experience of the participant? How can we help them to feel more connected? How can we create more platforms for them to connect with people in a really meaningful way and hopefully then continue their connection beyond this immersive experience that is Limud on January 19th and 20th. So one of the reflections was how people are transitioning out. So we have this really natural transition in with Havdalah, which we had the year before, you know, natural, lovely Jewish ritual to help us transition in. Um, and last year we had a concert and this year we didn't have a space for a concert. It was a limitation of our amazing venue, which we, we needed to work around. And so Nama had the idea of a nigun, and then it was a matter of um, what nigun, which she she chose. She picked a couple um, from Joey Reisenberg, and then we landed on Kolanishama. Um, and then it was a matter of engaging people who could help us hold the space. Um, and so she reached out to a, a number of musicians and song leaders who were already going to be presenting or who were going to be there as a participant. And and then again, we tried to market it. You know, we put it in the insert. We sent it out in an email. Um, and I imagine a lot of people didn't even see that. But because of where we had it located, um, it was where people were exiting at the very end. But it was, again, like the tags you know, will will people connect with it? Will it happen? Will it come to life? And there was definitely there a was minute a point. Yes, where I was, I was like, where are the rest of our beautiful singers? I was really worried. I and agree. they were finishing singing and making their way down to the lobby in song so that we, we, we didn't know. And so we just started singing, a few of us there. And then there they were and it was like this oh my god it was it was amazing it was such a beautiful moment i mean that is definitely there is a lot of moments that people have pointed out to me that have been really special so many highlights from sessions from learning um but many people bring up what it felt like to be and if you weren't there i'm sorry you left early but for those who were there at the very end to be in that space and and just see this beautiful moment of all these different jewish people singing hallelujah, and dancing and the music. There was an accordion, there was a violin, there was a tambourine, a guitar. It was it was incredible. It was I was amazing. so happy. I was so happy. Um, so to change tracks a little bit, um, you taught a session at Limud and it was entitled Limud Leadership is this for you? What made you want to teach this particular session at this Limud? This was inspired by Kara going to the UK this past year. She she was in a program for people who put on Limuds, and apparently there were several sessions about 
Lemood leadership and and how to become more involved and and what to do uh, and how to do it. And she sent me the description of the session, and I thought, well, of course we need to do something like this. Um, I had gone to something similar in Israel in May uh, where people from around the world, specifically only for people who put on Lemoods. Um, and and it, it focused on the different ways that people actually put on Lemoods. So, for example, in Argentina, uh, they have a Lemood that takes place in a public square. And it's like this festival that attracts 40,000 people. And how do you put something like that on? And then... You know, each Lemood has its own little flavor, and it's it's a wonderful thing to learn about people's experiences. And when Cara sent that, it's like, okay, we need to do this, and we need to share our Lemood Seattle experience and how to get involved in the leadership there. As it turned out, we had people from Lemood Vancouver and Lemood Bay Area who uh, no, Lemood Nevada, Las Vegas. Well, someone from Las Vegas who's interested in starting a Lemood. Right. In the beginning in the beginning phases. And so uh, it it ended up being focused on okay, how do you use that for for your different Lemoods? What can you do? There were too many other amazing sessions at the same time as ours. We that's also al- that's ultimately what I think happened. That's true. There Plenty was, of people said, I, I'm interested in getting involved, but I'm gonna go to this other session. I'll talk to you later. And I was like, that is okay. That is okay. So yeah. ultimately it became really a, a conversation between Robert and I and Ron, who are all involved in Lee Mood Seattle, talking with Lee Mood Vancouver and then this gentleman from Ve- Las Vegas and a little bit more specific to their questions rather than, you know, what it what it's like to get involved in in Seattle. Okay, last question. Um, could you speak a bit about the Lee Moon values? Um, what are they there for? What are they? And then maybe talk about your favorite Lee Mood value. Ooh, favorite Lee Mood value. That is really difficult. Um, we have to say enabling connections right now. Well, that goes that goes with this year's theme. Certainly, you can say whatever you can say. Whatever. Certainly. So, zooming zooming back, there are, are ten Lemud values. Of course, has to be ten. You know, like the Ten Commandments. What are they? They are basically like the ethos, the mission of every Lemud around the world. So, there's Lemuds in 42 countries all over, many different languages, and what unites them is the values and the values. Um, I spoke to this experience, the leadership program that was at Limud UK that I went to two years in a row. So much reflection about the values. Every meeting we do, every volunteer event we do, we do something with the values. Um, ultimately, the values are meant to help us navigate challenges, you know, make decisions, respond to our community, decide on programming, uh, work with volunteers. Basically, any decision um, should be grounded in the values. And because it's a community, a cross-communal event with Jewish people, all around the world, these Limud communities of volunteers experience their challenges. And a lot of you know what we spoke about in the UK was like looking at case studies of different challenges that different Limuds have experienced and how they've used the values to problem solve. Um, and so they really are not just these pretty things we put up on the wall or on our website, um, but really are meant to help us 
navigate. So they are they're core, definitely. Um, and I love so many of them. And I think that for me, it's been about enabling connections this whole year, but also really about learning and like the beauty of the of the line that everyone's a learner and anyone can be a teacher and, and getting to see so many people that showed up at Lee Mood Seattle to present and how special it was to see people, you know, who I knew were stretching themselves a little bit to, mm-hmm. to be a presenter. So I'm cheating, enabling connections and learning. <laughs> so, so the more you talk, the more you talked about it, the more I, I keep thinking that I, I'm going to have to agree with you on the enabling connections, but for a different reason. In that, I think in many ways all of the other Lemud values could actually be subcategories of enabling connections. We're all trying to connect e- to each other. And it's the how do we do it? You know, the learning, that's a modality. So that's that's a particular method in order for us to connect to each other. The religious observance and, and like religious observance and respect in conjunction with each other gives us the opportunity for us to connect in ways that maybe we wouldn't be able to outside of Lamud or outside of our own particular community. Yeah, I, I think that each of the Lumud values could support that connection, making those connections. And if we and if we look at it that way, that our goal is really to co- commit to to making each other making each other better people, better Jews, better better everything. And the only way we can do that is through supporting each other and to provide this mirror and this uh, this amazing chance to reflect and and strive. The Seattle Lee Mooncast was edited at Full Track Productions in Seattle, Washington. It was produced by Dave Dintenfass and Tamar Lubicki, with original music by Sergi Feldman. Thanks again to our guests, Kara Abrams-Simonton and Robert Hovden. Thanks, Robert, for being a founding co-chair and for the wonderful first two years. And thanks, Kara, for doing it again. Kara and Andy Wishan are the co-chairs for Limud Seattle 2020.